Hello, loves. Thanks for listening to the Lola Community Podcast. This summer, we are opening up Thrive, our six-week course, deep dive into holistic health, just packed with wonderful journaling, reflections, videos, resources, and teachings for you around the Lola lifestyle. Thrive is our foundational program that we started with many years ago and have built over the years to really support women sustainably, holistic in nature, and it's fun too. So check it out at littleohm.com backslash offerings, L-I-L-O-M-M.com backslash offerings. There you will find Thrive and our self-compassion challenge. Hope you're having a great summer. Hello, everybody. Not recording yet. Hello, everyone. It's Pleasant and Rita. Say hi, Ray. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello out there. And today we're going to talk about Ayurveda. We had the pleasure of going to California in April together. Um, and I was pulling up the slides, Rita, and all those pictures of us by the trees were there looking so fancy and free and happy. And it's so like humid today in DC and I worked out and was sweaty today. And it's like, you know, hot in the city, which is basically the opposite of us in these, in the red, (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. redwoods, feeling free and learning about our beloved Ayurveda. So Mm -hmm. before we jump in, I do want to pause. I want to take a breath and um, offer up my own deepest, deepest, deepest gratitude, acknowledgement, and support um, for all of my teachers for this experience. Um, Learning and studying Ayurveda feels like such a privilege on every level because there is a wisdom of this art and science and health um, at every level that feels so deeply connected and has so much universal wisdom. And accessing this at this stage of my life and being surrounded by Ayurvedic practitioners and students and teachers. It is truly joyful and magical. And I honor the sages. I honor the teachers. I honor the text. The way that Rita and I will dive into the, what we've learned and sharing will be very modern it will be very shallow <laughs> compared to the depth of the ancient teachings. And I am not Hindu. I am not from India. Rita is not Hindu. She's not from India. And we know that. And we're not trying to be that. And we're not trying to be from this wonderful subcontinent. We are regular women in the real world who live and breathe and care for each other and our community 
and these teachings, I'll speak for myself, bring light. I felt so light when I left mm -hmm. the conference. I felt so much love. And I truly believe that it's tapping into the sacredness of the wisdom, the intuitive nature of the wisdom that has brought this forth to our community, to our lives. So deep, deep reverence, deep vows for everybody who's brought this to us. Just take a deep breath in and exhale it out. So Rita, would you like to give us um, a little bit of your background with um, experience coming to the conference and then give us your three mm -hmm. takeaways that you created for today? Absolutely. Um, so everyone, um, it was actually uh, fate that Pleasance and I ended up going together because just to provide some background, I joined, I joined the little own community last May, May of 2018. And at the time of me coming to the little own community, my aunt was wrapping up a year long program at Dr. Lodd's Ayurvedic Institute out in New Mexico. And so prior to um, coming into the little own community, um, I had been privy to uh, a very, a very high level uh, idea of what Ayurveda is and what and and, and the spiritual origin of it. Because my aunt specifically sought out Dr. Lodd's school because from her own um, uh, seeking out she felt as though Dr. Laud represented the core principle practice of Ayurveda coming from a, at first and at all times a spiritual place. Mm -hmm. So having that said, <laughs> by the time I came to Pleasance, I already had like almost mm -hmm. a year's worth of kind of like it, just not experience, but again, having a, just a, an insight or I guess a, a fly on the wall or a fly on the phone, if you will, mm -hmm. because every other week my, my aunt would call back to DC and she would share mm -hmm. from her lens as a, as a 58 year old black woman from DC, what her experiences experiences were like at Dr. Lodge School. And mm -hmm. so just from listening to her through her lens, I'd become more and more um, intrigued and curious because um, it just sounds to me as if her learning experience was so not like most school experiences that I had been exposed to in the quote unquote spirituality and wellness industry mm -hmm. for example she was saying how like dr lod literally literally comes into his classroom and literally the, the you know the, there is no bells and whistles it's literally dr lod sitting on the floor yeah and him you know in, in him spending time mm -hmm. with his students being present with his students mm -hmm. and really um Forcing, forcing is the best word. I mean, force in terms of um, having the students, uh, pushing the students to understand that Ayurveda is a way of being. It's a state of being. It's a state of living beyond 
Dosha Profiles, Bead, and um, yeah, yeah, beyond Dosha Profiles and Bead, and beyond quote unquote going back, rushing to go back to your community to be a practitioner. From his perspective, he always, from what I what I learned from my aunt, is that you know to 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 really practice Ayurveda is to to just be a teacher to be a teacher and to be a teacher you always have to be a student and so I thought that that was really amazing mm -hmm. because again it to me it sounded like oh wow this sounds like a holistic health approach that is accessible mm. to anyone if 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 the person had if had the ability to have a teacher like Dr. Lott it's mm -hmm. accessible so so someone to for me in my background um I thought, wow, this is great, you know, in terms of the ability to cross all everyone's background, no matter where mm -hmm. you come from, who you are, Ayurveda to me seems to be a body of, of, of medicine and a body of healing that if put out into a community, everyone, all ages, all stages, it to me sound like like the magic bullet, if you will. And I don't want to diminish, diminish or commercialize as I'm saying it, but in terms of everyone, no matter who you are, what age and stage you are in life, Ayurveda does offer some healing and remedy for you. So just from that, having that year-long experience on the phone, listening, and also her sharing some of the materials and sharing some of the Friday evening seminars, which are free, they post them online. Mm -hmm. I started to like kind of, you know, just, just, just listen as a layperson. I definitely started to, um, the, 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 my curiosity spikes. Mm -hmm. And then, so funny about synchronicity. So when I came to the little own community, obviously, you know, uh, Pleasance already had built the community on, on the tenets of, of, of yoga and Ayurveda as, as, a, as, a, as our foundation for practice. So I already had that framework. And then around that same time, there was a documentary uh, that featuring Dr. Laud and, and his story of how he brought Ayurveda to America. And that was one of our lo little own girls night out field trips. And mm -hmm. from there, from those two experiences, it was like, wow, I'm hooked. And I, this, I, to me, I want to continue to, to, to dive into Ayurveda as a lifestyle, not just, you know, something to do, but like a way of being. And so going into the, going to this year, being a student mm -hmm. as part of, of Lola, Ayurveda is so interesting about the timing, yeah, timing and synchronicity. So in uh, March, we had done a month-long uh, self-study into Ayurveda using Katie, Katie's book, Happy, Healthy, and Sexy. So again, Katie just having, say, oh, see, I'm trying to say no, no, I'm talking too fast. No, but you got book, it. Katie Silcox. I just want to make Katie sure her Silcox. last name gets yes. it. Yes, yeah. Katie Silcox. And again, the book was not in Sanskrit. <laughs> the book was right. written from a real woman yeah. explaining to any woman coming from any walk of life, just again, very high level uh, uh, concepts of what Ayurveda is and how as a woman living in this modern, fast paced, uh, dare I say patriarchal society, what are some ways that we as women can mm. weave Ayurveda into our everyday experience? So I had that to chew on in March. And then going into April, there were, we had a Lola Spring retreat two weeks before going to the Ayurvedic conference. Mm -hmm. And and I'll make it, I'll wrap it up with this experience. 
So at the spring retreat, we experienced, uh, we, we woke up in the day and it was very cloudy and it was raining and we were in a meadow. So, you know, the, 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 to paint the picture, again, we all know, we all have that, that picture, right? When we wake up and it's foggy in the morning and it's raining and it's dark. And Pleasance, as part of her opening up the woman's circle, she used looking at out the window at nature outside to to teach and again these were, we were just all women from different walks of life and lola coming to the spring retreat to teach ayurveda she 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 had actually had us look out the window and observe the cloudy uh weather to talk about okay what do you what do we notice how are we feeling right now and what kinds of what can we do right now to sink in with that energy? And it, we found it to be extremely helpful. And then in that same day, the cloudy, dark, misty day turned into this bright, bright, sunny day. The literally the sky opened up, the sun opened up. And then plus it's again, brought our attention back to the, the signal, the, the changing of nature. Oh, okay. So now that the sun is out, the sky is clear. How are we feeling like and having us actually stop for a minute and pause and pay attention to, oh, wow, as nature changes, what kind of, if, how, do, how do we change and how, what adjustments can we make to work with nature? to come in tune with nature. So that was two weeks before we went into the Ayurvedic conference where I had that really real practical, like, oh, this is what, this is what it means to quote unquote tune with nature. Just observe what the energy is and, and, and take a moment to pause and see how you're feeling. And if you make some adjustments, how does it make you feel? Um, for example, when we went out into the sun, we got up on our feet, we stood in a circle <laughs> and we did intuitive movement. And mm -hmm. from the sun, you could, I, I could mm -hmm. feel the sun from her postures of walking us through some of the postures that we can do that was in alignment with the warm sun on our face. I, I, it was like a, it was like a, it was like introduction to Ayurveda because I got to really experience in my body. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. As nature changes. I too can change, but all I have to do is continue to build that awareness. If you're not aware, you won't notice that nature's changing. So anywho, so that was two weeks before the, the conference. And again, because my aunt had told me about Dr. Lai, and my aunt wanted me to come with her to the conference, I already had intended on going with my aunt. But it just so turns out my aunt didn't end up going. I still wanted to keep my intention of going. So of course, when Pleasant said, hey, I'm going, I said, me too. And so when I came, to the conference that last week in April, I had had all those layers of learning. Every single layer built up to that moment. And even when I stepped foot in San Jose where the conference was, I set foot with the intention to learn with an open heart, open mind. You know, I, I knew that I don't know Sanskrit, so I had no fear about that. And I just took my, I had my pen and my paper and I set, mm. I saw the conference as a way to just be open, mm -hmm. be open to what I could pick up and learn. And I think I would invite anyone who it may be attracted or may every Ayurveda may have come, come up in your life, be open. Cause you, you're not, we're not gonna understand everything. I mean, we're not, mm -hmm. certainly we, we didn't grow up, you know, at the origin 5,000 years ago when it came, but being open, to, it helps a lot in terms of just picking up the basic foundation of Ayurveda, which is simply being able to notice seasons, cycles, 
in mother nature in, in humans and being able to turn the mirror around and notice that what's in what's going on with you what are your seasons and cycles and signals for change so i hope that helps in terms of what i'm how i approach ayurveda how i see ayurveda and as i continue to learn about ayurveda that's where i keep that's where i that's what i that's what tends to that's what keeps me mm -hmm. um energized and focused i'm looking at signals seasons and cycles to me those are key words as part of my ayurveda learning yeah. and ayurvedic practice so the thing i think is really interesting and is definitely in alignment with my own experience is the multiple times i had to hear things in order to have them integrate that each year of my life with each experience of my life and the more simplifying the more space i had to see this amazing wisdom and science you know ayurveda is often called the art of subtracting because mm -hmm. our dharmic purpose our code our reason for being here our soul's song is already there and most people in Western society are looking for it by being busy and by thinking and by doing and achieving and striving. And Eastern philosophy says, you don't have to do that. You already have magic and mystery and meaning and purpose, but you gotta slow down enough to see it. And that is the essence of Ayurveda and why it did not bloom into a lifestyle and a lifelong devotion until I closed the studio. Because the pace of studio life with the demands of our family, there was no space to feel what the teachings were, what they were really. However, I have no regrets because the 10 plus years prior to that, I was just getting the foundations. I was reading and jumping on the Banyan site. And when I would go to Kripalu, thinking about the doshas and watching myself fluctuate between them and never really quite allowing my mind to understand what was really happening. Also, the majority of the teachers that I had been exposed to those first 10 years were teaching it mostly through food and through a very masculine rigid lens. And I already had a lot of masculine rigid practicing. <laughs> so it wasn't connecting. It was not until I had a little bit of space to find and attract feminine form teachers who were speaking about Ayurveda as mental health practice, as self-care, as nourishment, as the art of mothering yourself. Now that, that's all speaking my language. I don't really want to say, here's the whole list of all the things I can never eat and the things I can eat. Like that sends me right into like rebellion mode. I have learned to approach Ayurveda from the, the psychology, from the Vedic wisdom and the psychology and the lifestyle and the feminine form. And it allows me then intuitively to eat what is right for my current state without any rules. 
or so many rules, let's put it that way. So the point that the connection I'm making between Rita's story and mine is the time is that those of you who are listening, who are like, I just can't wrap my, and I, I, I literally heard it this week from someone who's been hearing about Ayurveda for many years. I just don't get it. I said, it's okay. Just keep yourself in company of it. Mm-hmm. And at okay. some point it may be open. And at some point you may turn to it. You know, it is a great tool when you have disease. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be of the mind, of the body, of the soul, of the heart. You know, Ayurveda doesn't separate emotions from food, from physical mm-hmm. digestion. So it's okay if you can't like wrap your head around it. But this year's conference, the focus was Ayurveda and the mind. So the whole time was about Ayurvedic psychology, mind disturbances, and imbalances. So Rita's going to share now a bit of her her three big takeaways that we'll just kind of jam on for the last part of this. Yes. And if I may inter- interject one factoid of my story, because I do, I do think this is worth saying to piggyback on what you just said. So my aunt is 58. I just want to just quickly wrap this up. 58-year-old African-American woman who had suffered from chronic high blood pressure for 20 years. She had had uh, cystic fibrosis, which had escalated into having a hysterectomy, and then hysterectomy escalated into having her thyroid taken out, and then the thyroid escalated into osteoporosis. Why am I telling y'all this story? Because she she, she had come to seek out, and she still is seeking out Ayurveda because she... She's attracted to it because she, she intuitively feels that Ayurveda has the answers for her healing based on her experience with her, the, 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 mess, the Western model. So that's what her, her, her uh, this, this uh, uh, snowballing of her own experience of diseases mm-hmm. had intuitively started to steer her and still is her, uh, her life's paths that she feels and knows in her heart. If you ask her, she, she really believes that Ayurveda has that some, some, some answers for her healing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important that, you know, with her, even her not having any background, Ayurveda mm-hmm. came into her life and she said, oh, you know, following her intuition and has, has sought this out as a path. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to my three takeaways. So for me, uh, my first takeaway, again, the, the, the theme of the conference was Ayurveda in the mind. And for me, <laughs> for me, I was very interested in going because, you know, um, I am uh, recovering, I guess, from, you know, I had at one point in my life, I had a clinical diagnosis of post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly um, have and still do, you know, I, I go through my own ebb and flow of healing from uh, spikes of anxiety and certainly hyperactivity in the mind, stress mm-hmm. in the mind. Mm-hmm. And so for me, uh, I definitely said, oh, that's for me. Let me go to that one. Are you ready to mind? And the reason why we go back to this first point that I, that big takeaway that you can't kill the mind from the mind. Now, what I mean by that is I certainly, where I kept hearing from different voices of, you know, when I say different voices, some of the panelists mm-hmm. and, some of, and some of the teachers and talking to some people as we were networking, I kept hearing different renditions of people saying that if you are, are spiraling or uh, suffering or dealing with tremendous angst 
and, and dis-ease and emotion and, and uncomfortableness in your mind, then you're not going to think your way out of it as we often do. Um, you know, you're not going to solve it from more information. I, I always, I actually use myself as an example. You know, in the past, before I've, I've stumbled into the little own life in Ayurveda, you know, I've done different things, you know, try to you know, think more about stuff or, or you know, write, write the same ruminating thoughts over and over again on mm -hmm. a piece of paper mm -hmm. or, you know, stay with the storytelling or, you know, more, inf just more. Mm -hmm. But at the Ayurveda conference, I, I, I learned about, again, we are back to holistic. See, Ayurveda is a holistic system of medicine. It's looking at mind, body, and spirit. And so Ayurveda provides some, some tools for, you know, if you are suffering or you're, you're, you're going round and round and you feel anxious. I'm, I'm going to say anxiety because that's something that I'm sure I know I, I'm, I, can, I can relate to. And some people may be able to follow me in this discussion. Because anxiety was spoke about a lot, the, the, the axis of anxiety and depression. There are, uh, there are tools, Ayurvedic tools and practices that help balance out that overactivity in the mind by addressing, your, by addressing care, your, your self-care and doing self-care practices for your, nurture your spirit and your body. So a very specific example, body, sleep. There was a lot, there was a lot of discussion about, again, the medicine of rest, mm -hmm. you know, from a scientific perspective, there certainly was, were people who were talking about even, I mean, Ayurveda is so precise that it can, it can provide all the way down to the time of day. I mean, if you needed that kind of care from an Ayurvedic practitioner, but just in general, you know, Ayurveda, again, back to signs and signals and cues, there are, Ayurveda gives us a model for how even within a 24 hour cycle, our bodies are in tune with that 24-hour cycle and yeah. we can we can hone in and use rest <laughs> if, if we're willing to be open and, and, and tune into that cycle ayurveda shows us that just concepts of rest can help rev down anxiety in the mind it can help rev down overactivity in the mind another example um obviously we all have different experiences with you know wrapping our heads around the food but a lot of uh, a lot of the food discussion has to do with Ayurveda addressing digestion, and digestion is so important because that is the intake and the uptake of your nutrients. Mm -hmm. Again, digestion is in the body. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, if we're I, I use a prime example of myself. Uh, one of the signals of me when I'm in a hyperactive or hyper anxiety mode and I didn't have exposure to these practices was not eating. Well, now that I've been exposed to Ayurveda and I understand that, you know. A vata-based diet is, is, not, is less about what's on the list, okay? So, like, you know, mm -hmm. but it's more about foods that, <clears throat> that slow you, foods that nourish you on a deep level. So, for example, um, for me, because I tend to, again, be hyperactive in the thoughts, in the mind, mm -hmm. eating warm, eating warm food. There's a science behind that. Now, the art about that is very simple. You know, if you watch nature, mm -hmm. heat melts ice. <laughs> That's how we made it. So, so okay, mm -hmm. all right. So if we, if, if, we, if we have too much activity in the mind, which in mm -hmm. Ayurveda is an air element, which tends to be cold, then all right. You know, you don't have to think about it too deep. Yes, just like Mother Nature, heat, i.e. warm, heavy foods, helps mm -hmm. calm down and suppress your nervous system. 
So again, I'm just using that as an example of, okay, you know, the dealing with anxiety, there are things on a physical level in the body that you can do. Intuitive movement is, is something that in meditation is something that to me speaks to, oh, okay, that's out of, okay, that's, that's out of the mind. That's in the realm of my body. And then um, social connections and creativity that feeds our spirit. Mm-hmm. So again, I was just exposed to this at the conference that, oh, you know, we have the mind, the body and the spirit. And Ayurveda offers a whole menu of practices and tools that speak to those realms that help us balance out. Mm-hmm. So if you want to seek, if you want to, so for me, with that, when my big takeaway was, okay, if I, if I need balance in the realm of my mind, then Ayurveda, then, then Ayurveda is going to give me some tools and some practices and some therapies. And yes, getting down to the granular level, even herbs that will soothe my spirit and soothe me on a body level to help calibrate and balance out that the mind. The three go together. Yeah. And they're they interconnected. They're and they're interconnected. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that is really helpful for people, I think, also is there's a little bit of a misnomer in modern sort of spirit yoga culture that yoga is for the body. Um, and this teacher, Dr. Ram Kumar, that I've spent a lot of time with in the past 48 hours, and uh, Rita heard him speak as one of the keynotes at the Ayurveda conference, he made this point um, repeatedly whenever I've been around him. Yoga practices are to help the mind. Ayurvedic practices are to help the body. The problem is you, or not the problem, but in culture, we think that yoga practices mm-hmm. are to shape the body mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that Ayurveda is to shape the mind. But it's, it's like, oh, well, if your mind is in flux, then let's bring it to physical posture, asana, breathing, right? If there's eight limbs of yoga... <laughs> You know, there's there's more education beyond what we're getting when you run into a power hot yoga class and you do some exercises and you run out. Um, the system of yoga was designed to help clear and calm the mind. And it and it yeah, it's exactly what Rita's saying. It's the body that helps clear the mind because it draws that energy down, mm-hmm. hones the energy. So there's more interconnectedness between the head and the heart and the gut. Yes, which gets me to my second takeaway, which literally you just said, I'm looking at it. Emotions, the, 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 the heart brain is interconnected, your emotions and your thoughts. Now, ding, ding, ding. I've worked at NIH for about going on three years now. Now, in, in, the, in the ether and in the, in the around here, I have heard a lot. There's a lot of research. You, know, you, see, you, see, the, you see the gut brain axis. Mm-hmm. You see the heart brain axis. Mm-hmm. But again, you know, I'm not a scientist. Well, I'm kind of, hey, not really having an understanding from that technical space. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I got to to, to the Ayurveda conference, I'm like, oh, because there again, we had different panelists and different teachers, but again, everywhere in all of in each of the, the breakout sessions, there was serious, serious discussion around your thoughts and your feelings are always interconnected. Your thoughts are sending signals on a spiritual level, on a mental level, and a physical level, 
to your body. Your body is sending signals to the mind. And the two mm -hmm. are constantly working in tandem. Now, why am, I, then why am I pointing that out? Well, because, and again, Ayurveda shows me that I, there is an opportunity for me to be my first physician and practice, you know, be responsible for my self-care around saying, oh, I have some agency. I, I, I have control over my thoughts. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I'm saying slow because <laughs> that's what's hard. It was a hard pill for me to swallow, but it's, it's a serious pill, serious for everyone to seriously consider. Well, and what's interesting to me is that it took, again, this goes back to the layering that we teach in Lola all the time, is that it's not the first time you hear things. We literally have a month in Lola that's called changing your thoughts. I mean, it's all Joe Dispenza's work, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. So you yep. had already been studying it. It's not yep. as if this was the first time. We have a whole section in Lola about heart math, which is all the energetic fields and connections between heart-brain coherence. And okay, so that's like, you know, you're studying, teaching, learning that, when did we do that? February, March? Yep, February. And then here we go a few months later. Now you're hearing from the Ayurvedic perspective how Vedic wisdom has been teaching this for all of time. And now we have great science to back it up. Um, but their version is very soft, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it's more spiritual. It's more wholehearted. It's more connected. Yes. Not that heart math isn't and that Dr. Joe isn't. It's just that there's a lot of people who go to Dr. Joe or heart math because of extreme anxiety or trauma. And the Ayurvedic um, teaching, how, I, how it's come through me is just, this is just great for everybody. Like you mm -hmm. don't know how, need to have PTSD or lots of anxiety all the time or um, have bad habit of thought that you're trying to break through to just practice heart brain coherence as a daily practice for joy, for integration and for health. And for, and for healing. And I'm glad you yeah. brought the piece about the spiritual piece, which just takes me to my next point. Yeah. Now. I didn't do that on I, purpose, but. <laughs> I, know, I know it's coherence. Um, and again, I'm pausing and I'm learning how to take my time because again, I, what I'm getting ready to say, because you know, it's, it's interesting how in some spiritual spaces, we don't want to talk spiritual. So just bear with me. But at the conference, and I believe, and, and you know his name in, in Sanskrit, Rowley, David, is it David Rowley? Am I saying his name wrong? Yeah, David, David Rowley. Rowley. Yeah. He says something that really struck a chord in me. And it was humbling and it almost brought tears to my eyes. His, his, he was speaking and his philosophy on the whole, why is it important to realize that or accept that you have agency over your thoughts and your emotions is because, you know, taking responsibility for yourself is a spiritual act. Why? Because once you take responsibility for your problems, your dis-ease, that means that you are playing a small role in cleaning up. If you clean up your mess, then it ripples out to clean up the mess in the world. And that put a murder in my face because you know what, y'all? I'm learning how to, I, I'm learning how that I'm, I'm beautifully rotten. We're made up of all the elements, but I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm, I'm going to keep it all the way real. 
I'm not going to use, I'm not going to say too technical, but water is again, back to like, if you're in water stage, you're, you're very, you know, it's the, it's the element of air, it's thoughts, it's hyper anxiety. It's, 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 it's a lot of uh, racing and rumination and disorganization, um, being late. I mean, these are some of the signals. And when he said that, I thought about the people I hurt, the people I, the, 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 the relationship conflicts I caused because I was not yet ready to take responsibility for my behavior. Mm-hmm. And again, back to the, to, to the piece about, you know, the, you having control over your, your thoughts and your emotions. The spiritual act comes in when you take responsibility for that. Because if you're taking responsibility for it and you're making steps for change, you're making steps not only to heal yourself, but by that by by healing yourself, there's a reciprocity in healing your relationships, and then that ripples out into the world because you have a higher standard for yourself. And there was a Sanskrit, uh, there was a Sanskrit framework for that. But in terms of you're ascending rather than going round and round and round, and and, and your excuse or my excuse, I'll, I'll use myself. You know, oh, you know, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm late again. I forgot mm-hmm. I had this. Mm-hmm. Or, or, you know, I lost my keys. And, or I'm, I'm making other people late because I'm not taking responsibility yeah. to plan in my life. Mm-hmm. But, but I noticed that, I noticed that, you know, in this year that I've spent, you know, in, an, in little Ohm, Lola, which is I consider an aggravated school, just like everybody else. I do notice, I notice a change in myself. I notice a balancing out and a healing of my relationships. Even, I know, even in my family now, because I'm more organized. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've drawn in commitment. I've taken responsibility for some of my, uh, for my mental health. Yeah. And the tendencies that are out of balance, like each of the doshas and the vata, each of the doshas and the elements have beauty. They all are our light. Mm-hmm and are dark, Mm -hmm. like we can work with them all. It's very similar to Enneagram in terms of how we talk about it. Like this is what we're made of and it's gonna Mm -hmm. be our strength and and the peace that we radiate and and it's gonna be super easy for us to get caught up in unhealthy loops of it if we're not mindful. And I think it's, at least for me, like I wasn't doing it on purpose, getting caught Mm -hmm. up in unhealthy burnout, right? Pitta, fire, doing, 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 Mm. doing, doing, not moving necessarily like Vata, not late, but rigid with planning, rigid with achievement, striving, like that is all very Mm. Pitta. And then you combine that with an over-caring caregiver, which I was at that time very much a type two in Enneagram, giving, giving, giving until burnout, until resentment. Um, you know, I didn't know that that was the pattern until I learned this terminology, until I studied, until I had soul sisters like you and all the people over the past 10 years where I could ask questions and, whoa, start to pay attention to the habits because now I can, I feel free of that. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I can align with my strengths and use them daily, but they're not, they're not, um, ruling my world the way yes. they do. And Dr. Yes. Ram Kumar yesterday in the talk said, I want everybody to hear this. In our current society, we are operating mostly selfless and ego full. And what he's asking us to do is to be more self, selfish Mm-hmm. and ego less. 
because of exactly what you just said. When you take care of your own mental and physical health, your body radiates that out. We know from mirror neurons that energy is contagious. We know that if I'm healthy, I have a better chance of raising healthy kids. This goes with ACEs and our childhood trauma scores, which many of us have very high scores because of perpetuating ancestral crapola. So Dr. Ram Kumar said what he sees in society is lots of selfless with ego full. And that is definitely, that gave me chills because that was the mm. first 30 years of my life. Mm. Caring for others, but my ego was holding on tight that my caring for others was my mm. identity. Look how good I am because mm -hmm. I don't take care of myself mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I'm available all the time because mm -hmm. I do good work. Meanwhile, I've got a chip on my shoulder. I'm smoking mm -hmm. and drinking like a crazy person. I'm mm -hmm. angry. I'm out of control in my inner life, but I'm selfless. Mm -hmm. And that causes so much disease of the mind, body, and soul. And so this switch to being selfish, full of self, not in the name of the I, but in the name of the we. And that is... Um, just for me, a beautiful motivation to keep going. Absolutely. And to quickly piggyback on that, coming from, you've, you've described signals and cues from, from Pitta, I say for me, you know, I, for me, my life is much more full. Um, one, of the, one of the signals of, of too much um, uh, air or, or, or hyper anxiety is fear, constant fear of the future. And now Ayurveda, um, it's giving me, and of course it's not by itself. I mean, I'm in, I'm in a community, right? And, that, and, right. and that's part of the, the yeah. I, and Pleasant is going to yeah. describe that that's one of the gunas, but I'm in a community. I have a teacher and I have a, 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 I have a I'm a student, I'm a peer student in a community. So that's, that's, an, that's an Ayurveda framework too. But I fear, living in constant fear of the future, you know, that's, that's, that's how you know you're on an anxiety scale. But now that I'm incorporating aspects, I'm balancing it out, you know, I'm getting, I'm working, again, back to embodiment, you know, I have, I have this little workout regimen now that pleasant sense. And it's not all that, like, I literally go downstairs, and I take a five-pound dumbbell, and I, and I put on some nice music, and I just do it for, for 15 minutes. It's not that serious, y'all. But it, it, when I'm doing it, I, it gets me out of my mind, it yeah. gets me into my yeah. body, and I'm starting to feel more powerful, which brings down the fear. Yeah. And also, too, uh, I'm starting to incorporate some of that fire energy, the pitta mm -hmm. of being, uh, of, of planning and, ta again, yeah. taking action. You know, that's pitta, taking action. All right. You know, if you sit down and you use a calendar and a pencil, 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 guess mm. what? You have more, you have more control over your future and therefore you, you have some agency, you've taken some responsibility for how you want to spend your time. So that takes the, the fear out. The fear melts away of the future. And so I'm so glad that she described what her life looks like now. And that's what, this is what my life, like, my, my life looks like now. And it's thanks to, again, being open. Again, I'm just being open to what Ayurveda has to offer. Um, and I'll wrap up my third takeaway with, and I think this is a great way for Pleasance to, 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 to give us her perspective of what this word means from her perspective. But from a layman's perspective, I heard this at the closing plenary, Sankalpa. And Sankalpa means intention. It's a seed. And the closing plenary was just, it was beautiful because just in very basic terms, 
the speakers described how Ayurveda is meant, it's, it's, it's being, it's living second to second, literally. And that second to second always begins with a seed. You're planting a seed that you want to be mindful and aware of yourself and mindful and aware of what's going on around you. Because everything starts with awareness. If you're not aware, you can't notice what's happening. If you don't know what's happening, then you get caught up and you get lost. And if you get caught up and get lost in my lifetime, that's when you're that, when you, that's, that's, that's a signal that you're in the chasing your tail. So everything starts, but you have to you first lay down the sankofa. It starts with intention and it's a conscious act, i.e. the word practice. You're, 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 you're doing it over and over and you'll stumble and you'll, and you'll, and things will happen, but that you're building that over and over. That is the practice. That is the practice. It's not, you know, uh, looking at, you know, whatever your dosha profile is and taking the banyan quiz or thinking about it too deep. <laughs> Even though that's, that's, if you want to do it, that's fine. But the practice is, the practice is the, in, the, in your being. The practice yes. is moment to moment. The practice is in the way that you treat yourself, what you're saying to yourself in your mind and the way you treat others. That's the practice. More, more being, less of checklists and doing, if that's helpful. <laughs> Yeah, so I just wrote about Sankalpa in our newsletter last week with what my intention for the summer is. And so again, Sankalpa is, you know, in most, when I started yoga, we always set a Sankalpa at the beginning of class. You just put your hand on your heart and you put your hand on your mm -hmm. belly and you set a Sankalpa for the next hour, hour and a half for the practice. Is it stay with the breath? Is it focus attention? Is it being compassionate? So we're really integrating these beautiful teachings of yoga and Ayurveda into our real life because what I wrote about in the newsletter was just the sankalpa of the season. Like, what is my intention for this season? Is it to work all summer and ignore my kids because they only have one summer where they're going to be eight and 11? Is my intention to be quiet and cultivate stillness and quiet? And if so, what does that mean I need to let go of? What's in the way of me having that experience in this season? Because the season has changed. Hmm. And so sankalpa and intention can come from the yoga mat, from your morning meditation, from five breaths in bed into your real life. These things are not out um, in the world and not tangible. I'm just, it takes courage. So this is what I wanna say to close. For those of you who've listened and you feel inspired or you feel motivated and then you think, of course, well, what about me or my life or what could I do is that Rita and I are human. We fluctuate between our strengths of our doshas, healthy, unhealthy. I still, I was talking about Pitta today. I yelled at my husband last night and said, I need some time alone. Like I could feel the fire burning in me. It was humid and I was congested. And like nothing was going, like the typical thing for a pitta imbalance is that think other people don't do things right. It becomes very rigid. And I was realizing that because my son was playing video games, which drives me insane. But I'm just a human living in the world. I had to walk around the block. I had to come back and apologize. I had to realize I need to work. I want to work with this energy that gives me my strength 
Mm. And it hurt and it hurts me to be hurt, to hurt others. So mm. I don't want to do that. So this path of daily practice is one that I am on and that Rita is on and that we can share that teaching with you because we're human and because we're, we're here with you. Our arms are linked. I always say Lola, like when I picture the work we do and I picture what Lola truly is, it's just a huge circle of women with arms like wrapping and there's teens and tweens and little mm-hmm. kids and maybe a few spouses thrown in or partners, <laughs> Kyle, there's boys. <laughs> You know, there's some boys there. Um, it's more, it's fluid. We're getting fluid. Yeah. And we're, our arms are just wrapped and we're holding and we're breathing together because of that humanity, because we're all doing this together. And the three things that it takes is courage, commitment, and devotion. Courage, commitment, and devotion. It takes courage to live this way. It takes courage to clear your schedule and get up early and meditate and sit in the unknown. It takes courage to eat healthy food. It takes courage to drink water. It takes courage to face your fears. It takes courage to say no to someone. It takes courage to watch relationships dissolve, which can happen if you speak clearly and kindly and have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And will happen. I've learned it will. And will. <laughs> the commitment to your practice, the commitment to your dharma, the commitment to your soul song and the devotion, that this life is joyful, that we have so much, there is so much beauty. The, the devotion, when I hear or say the word devotion, it's like my heart, and I listen to kirtan and chants or dance music or smell the flowers or use my oils, like that devotion to feeling good. Um, and, and that's what I think can, can be a a helpful container, the courage, the commitment, and the devotion. So um, hopefully this was helpful. We love you guys. Our arms are wrapped around you. Om Shanti, peace to everybody. And see you soon. Take care out there.